Y estamos acá en la cancha, estamos en el Bernabéu, donde viene Messi, viene Messi con la pelota, lo ve a Ronaldinho, pide, la pide, Ronaldinho, la pide, Ronaldinho, gol. ¡Gol! 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 That's a sound you haven't heard in a while. The Golasso FP intro. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I might have to do some explaining. So, first and foremost, what's up, everyone? It's DTG, everyone's favorite host, or not so favorite, because I've been missing, yada, 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 this, this, and that. However, um, I've spoken to Andres about it, you know, remember that old guy used to be on the podcast? Uh, uh, happy belated, by the way, as I missed his birthday on the podcast because I've been away for a little bit. Yeah, so he is a little old, but like, let's not tell that to his face. <laughs> but no, um, as I was saying, yeah, I did speak to him, um, as to why I haven't been able to do the podcast. Um, I've been missing because, well, first, let, let's just run it back to my last episode. Um, I had recorded an episode in mid October, um with two special guests it was a special two hour and 45 minute long podcast episode it was a phenomenal episode i had two guest speakers my friends Erlen and steven a chelsea supporter and a Bayern munich supporter respectively so yeah it was a great discussion great debates it was all around really good fun in that podcast but the episode was corrupt so the microphone i was using had horrible horrible static and it ruined the whole episode. And I tried to save it onto my computer, right, um, for Andres to come and help me do that. However, um, by the time we got we um, we linked up, uh, I believe yeah, late October as well. It was two weeks after. It's just been um, it was already gone. It was it couldn't be it couldn't be restored. Um, the file was corrupt. And yeah, I had to return the mics, get new ones. Um, I'm using a proper headset this time. Um, I hope this one works out well because I'd be very angry because I ordered a previous one. It was also pretty shit. <laughs> and so this is my third attempt. So yeah, sorry about that, guys. And also, month of November was very hectic. Um, I'm an assistant manager at my job. I work retail. So uh so yeah, you know how it goes, Black Friday and all that, prepping up the store, signing new um, seasonal people to help out during this hectic time of year. So yeah, it was pretty hectic, but now early December, I have some leeway. Yeah, it's kind of still busy with holiday shopping, but um, it's it won't be as crazy as Black Friday, so it'll be a little bit more relaxed until like, you know, the holiday season. So yeah, um, here I am. Um... I have to apologize to everyone about that because that's very unprofessional of me to just, you know, would look like abandoning the podcast. But no, I love this podcast, man. I love, I love all you listeners. I love, I love doing this, uh, and I love the sport too. That's what we, what we are, uh, we're all here for, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, um, that's that's that. Um, I'm back better than ever. Um, live and well, feeling healthy. Um. <laughs> hope you guys all are too but no anyway um yeah because of my absence uh i won't be taking a holiday break i'll be doing holiday episodes um as you can recall last last year this time around we stopped at like the middle of december but no i'll keep going um i'll make a few episodes to just recap um well just to make up lost progress um lost time lost audience members unfortunately boo boohoo <laughs> but no i'm sure we'll regain it um as the hunt for my co-host continues that's one thing i want to talk to you guys about any listeners out there great talkers great speakers great knowledge of the game hit me up 
at my personal um Instagram at Dave the Goalie. Shoot me a DM, Snapchat, or just better not just uh DM Golasso FP on Instagram or on Twitter, which is both are fine, or any Mundo page. Struggle is real, guys. I miss Andres. <laughs> but no, um, that five minute delay of my, you know, excuses, excuses, quote unquote, is over. So now let's get into the good stuff. Today's date, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, is Monday, December 2nd. Today, the Ballon d'Or winner was revealed, along with the top 30 nominees. So, and it is also. I must add 605, meaning that the winner has already been announced. The winner is Lionel Messi. Now, you know, it was it was always going to be a 50-50 debate between v- Virgil van Dijk and Lionel Messi. Uh, a two-horse race in the sense that, you know, van Dijk won the Champions League. Holland had a great year, um, reaching the... Nations League finals and just playing pretty good overall all year round. Uh, and Messi having a great individual season. Like, I mean, we all know what happened to Barcelona in the Champions League. <laughs> and um, he did make the semifinals of the Copa America with, um, well, we all know the problems Argentina have. So we don't need to get into that. We all know that. The problems just lie deeper than the players. It's just, it's it's a shit show over there. To say, to put it in a in a short story. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it could have gone fifty fifty if you ask me, because both both players have incredible accolades to promote themselves to back their claims. Um, you know, obviously Ronaldo, yeah, was uh, second in the uh, top goal scorers chart in Serie A. One did win the uh, the Italian league with Juve, the Serie A, and he did also win the Nations League with Portugal, scoring a hat trick in the semifinals against Switzerland. But no, um, it's just uh, it's just that you know he's had better years, and these two guys really outperformed him. And going on the topic of Ronaldo, there are people blowing up on Twitter as we speak. I'm sure a lot of you have, you know, similar contrasting opinions, but there's a lot of people on Twitter that are fuming that he got third place. Everyone wants, well, everyone, literally everyone's mom, grandmas, and uncles <laughs> were convinced that Ronaldo was not going to get into, into the top three. I personally thought he was, just because he's Cristiano Ronaldo. But, you know, as we saw last year with Lionel Messi being 5th or 6th or whatever it was. I believe it was 5th last year. Whatever it may be. Knowing that happened last year or that being reminded to me on social media reminded me, oh, you know, this could actually happen. See, a lot of people were expecting Sadio Mane to be there. Uh, Mohamed Salah. Uh, Who else did we have that had an amazing year? I'm trying to go off the top of my head. Potentially, you had someone like Bernardo Silva being into the top three by a few people because he won literally almost everything he could have won. The only thing in 2019 that he did not win that he was a part of was a Champions League. He has won every single other trophy, which is ridiculous. Like <laughs> That's the Premier League. That's the two domestic cups, the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. The Nations League with Portugal, the Community Shield. It's won five trophies is win one year. It's ridiculous. While also not only like having trophies to back up his claim, but being one of the best midfielders in the world this past year, which is an undeniable fact. But yeah, you know, realistically speaking, Bernardo Silva, a favorite player of mine nowadays. Like I love Bernardo Silva. Like, he's just such a fantastic player to watch. Like, he's naturally a winger, you know, when he came in from Monaco, when he, when Monaco won the league with him in the side, always played on the right. Did play on the right on his first season at City, 17-18. Was pretty good, but nowhere near the level he's at now, playing more centrally. You know, still being a threat on the wing, but Pep is just, and I will say Pep has elevated his game tenfold, like he's done with Raheem Sterling. We'll get into City later. 
but more on the ball on the or. Uh, overall, I think I don't have a problem with Messi winning it. I do believe it could have gone both ways. I think both, uh, both men deserved it equally as much as the other one did. Because accolades, individual stats, yes, you can compare. Yeah, you cannot compare, you know, a center back, obviously, to an attacking player like Messi. Like, goals and assists, like, shots on t- like, all that. Like, in terms of that, you can't compare. That's just stating the obvious. But going off, you know, how how impactful Van Dyke has been for Liverpool... Not only this year, but since he's arrived, you know, the presence he brings to the national team as well. The partnership he has with De Ligt in there is just phenomenal. And it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, it just goes to show that, oh, excuse me, wow. <laughs> um, it just goes to show that defenders are starting to get more recognition because the last player, the last center back rather to win this award was Fabio Cannavaro. And he won the World Cup. And that's pretty much the only reason why he won it. I'm I'm convinced. If had Italy not won the World Cup, he would not have won it. And also because that was the year that Ju- Juventus did get relegated. And uh, yeah, it just goes to show that the Me- the Messi, Ronaldo, Monopoly, is, duopoly rather, is getting, is diminishing. We saw that last year with Modric. Yes, Messi did win it this year, but you know... I, f- I feel like the Ballon d'Or ranking was pretty fair this year for the most part. You had um, surprising entries um, like Riyad Mahrez at 10th. Um, people forget that he did win the African Cup of Nations with um, Algeria being, you know, their talisman. And also, you know, not n- not so much last season being an influential part of C- City's team, but this season... Um, he is, you know, he's a lot more game time. Um, he's getting more um, trust from Pep. He's performing better himself as an individual. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was well-deserved, but a lot of people were surprised by that. Um, but, you know, because I, th- I, I I believe it's deserved in the sense that, you know, tournaments like uh, the Copa America and the Euros very like very much so by a large margin overshadow other continental tournaments i mean for obvious reasons they are bigger than the CONCACAF gold cup or copa oro the copa america or the af the afcon african cup of nations um you know the ofc oceania uh um, (laughs) i was gonna say champions league but no the oceania um Continental Cup, I don't even know what it's called. That's really bad on my part. Apologies for that. And uh, and the Asian Cup as well, which you know the um which happened this year in January, which Qatar won surprisingly. Um. But no, it just it just goes to show that FIFA, well, not even FIFA, because this award itself, the Ballon d'Or, if you guys can recall, is no longer a part of FIFA. It's it's its own award from France football. Um, with FIFA now having the best awards with its inception in 2016. Now, it just, it just shows that since it's, and it, and it's pretty funny to see that it's, since it's breaking away from FIFA, the, the rankings have been a lot more fair in terms of players playing in, for countries not as, not in Europe or not in South America is what I'm trying to say. Um, trying to look for the right words here. It's it was more like under FIFA. It was more like a popularity contest, European South American dominance. Um, now while you have more, you know, outside talent outside of the continents making it into the top um thirty, such as Kalidou Koulibaly from Senegal and Napoli, Sadio Mane from Senegal and Liverpool, Riyad Mahrez. It just goes to show that it's increasing every year. Now, Riyad Mahrez has been here before. That season that Leicester won it in 20... Was it the 2016 uh, ball? Yes, it was the 2016. Um, him and Jamie Vardy came 6-7, and seven respectively. Um, it just it just really goes to show that since since it's break, it's broken away, it's a lot more fairly. Like you have two Leicester City players in the, ball, in the top 10 of Ballon d'Or. 
It gets it's ridiculous. Um, yes, I while there are no like North American representatives, unfortunately, boohoo. <laughs> or, you know, anyone from Asia. Or, you know, just not yet. Not yet at least. Like I, I guarantee you, go back to the two thousand tens or the early two thousand tens rather, you'd only see like Samuel Eto representing Africa in there. That's pretty much it. You in terms in terms of North America, you'd only have I can't even think of who's been in the top thirty of Ballon d'Or from North America. So it's it just goes to show that this that this award is being a lot more open since it's you know independence from FIFA because I do believe it's a great thing. Let me know what you guys think. I I personally think it's a great thing that these players from nations outside of Europe and South America are getting more recognition and more praise for the achievements that they achieve with their national teams and with their teams. And an underlying factor in all of this would be that they are there are more players from Africa, from Asia, from North America, from Oceania even, in some leagues, producing more and more talent that are breaking into the Europe's top leagues. And it's, it's just all around better for the beautiful game because, you know, us at Golasso, Andres and I are very passionate about it that these other leagues, these other nations should get more recognition. And it's 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 warming to my heart, rather, that's come this far, like... I wouldn't be surprised if within the next 50 years you'll see, I, yeah, I know it's a long time, but in the next 50 years you'll, you'll see, say, an American on the list. I'm not going to say Pulisic because that's the obvious answer because we have a very talented, very big, large pool of talented players. If so be, it could be a Mexican player, Costa Rican, Honduran, Panamanian, imagine, imagine that. Or a Japanese player or a Korean player. Human Son is another one. Coming from South Korea. That's one that completely skipped my head. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was 20 on the list. Like, it just goes to show. And even, you know, smaller nations in Europe that are producing more and more talent. Dusan Tad Yes, Serbia has always been a decent team. But Dusan Tadic making it in there, especially at his age, is, is phenomenal. Um, like You have... Uh, Gareth Bale didn't make it. What am I talking about? But no... Um, it just goes to show that this award is a lot, it's being a lot more opened up to a general public of a general pool of players from a diverse, um, from a large, diverse group of players. So yeah, that's the Ballon d'Or wrapped up in my opinion. Let me know what you guys think about all of that. So now let me just get right into the Premier League. <clears throat> so yeah, let me just, uh, Open it up saying, but yeah, Unai Emery has been sacked by Arsenal last week. His last game happened to be on Thanksgiving. And yeah, those he ruined my Thanksgiving. Well, not just him. The players did too, but um, yeah, I mean, I know this time last year I was in love with Unai Emery. It's just, qu it's just so funny how things change in a year. And I just think that I just can't believe how badly it's gone ever since, you know. You listened to me this time last year. We were on an uh, unbeaten run of 22-plus games. And we had beaten Tottenham, I believe, on this day last year, or it would have been la yesterday, last year, last year. So, um, I, I believe that it was the right decision. As harsh as it sounds, like, Unai Emery was a great man, you know, hardworking, relentless guy, like, very passionate. Um, Yeah, I, I am guilty of this as well. There are people who, unfortunately, you know, like to take the piss out of him, saying stuff like, oh, good evening, and <laughs> um, just making fun of him all around on social media. I mean, that's not really anything new of Arsenal, because, you know, the fourth joke, the fourth meme... Um, Arsene Wenger memes, all this stuff, but I, I do like feel for him in the sense that, you know, he easily could have had like an English translator for him because he's always been doing that since he's come at Arsenal, you know, but 
the man like watched Peaky Blinders just to learn English. Yeah, that may not be like the best English to learn from, but he's he's trying and he wants to do his press conferences all in English so he can learn on his own at his own pace and to just show that he's fully invested into the team to learn English to efficiently communicate with the players better in English. Well, yes, it was a struggle for him, but, you know, I have to respect him for that. I have to respect him for a lot of things in the sense that he, you know, he gave us some phenomenal moments. Like the win over, the wins over United, Tottenham last year was probably his best game ever. The Europa League run last year, um, unfortunately, it didn't end the way I wanted it to end. Um... But, you know, the comprehensive wins against Valencia and Napoli, shutting out Napoli home in a way, seeing how hard it is to beat Napoli, even though they're not on the best form right now. You have Liverpool, who lost their two years in a row. PSG, who couldn't win their Juventus and Arsenal were, like, two of the only teams last season who were able to beat them at the Stadio San Paolo. So that says a lot. Like, Emery was, you know, pretty, was really good at some points. You know, the way he has... Well, I'm not going to, like, say, like, the way he, like, played Obama a lot. Because I just think that he was blessed to have Wenger's, you know, leftovers. Because essentially he did have to deal with Wenger's uh, leftover players last season. Players that he did bring in that made a big difference were... Bert Leno, um, Lucas Torreira, Matteo Guendouzi. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. You have... People like I'm talking about last season. I'll get into like the new signings later. Um, other signings from last season that you know unfortunately did not work out were you have Stefan Lichtsteiner, who was an atrocious <laughs> right right back to it's safe to say. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I like what he did with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the way he converted him into a right wing back efficiently. You know, decent but not good enough. And that was just the story of last season. It was decent, but not good enough. We saw progression from Wenger there. We were, we, although we did capitulate at the end when nobody wanted to get fourth place, when Tottenham, Chelsea, United were all losing at the same time, and fourth place were like was like up for grabs. Um, we did do better than the previous season, Wenger's last season, and we saw an improvement of the attack in midfield. Well, I mean, whether that be through him. Or through the players, um, we have to go back and see the games. I would have to do that myself. But, you know, some credit does have to go to the coach for that. And I believe that he lost the dressing room at this point. Um, last season was just, you know, a free pass into the Premier League. Oh, welcome to the Premier League. Get adjusted. For someone who's coaching their first time in England in a new country, new language, new, new like system of play, new styles of play. Because you've never, because the Premier League being the hardest league in the world, um, you have, you know, the super teams like Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, the big six, you know, United, us, or if you can even consider us top six now, Tottenham, even the decent teams like Wolves, Everton, well, at least last season they were, uh, West Ham, <laughs> it's just, it's a crazy league, so for Una Emery to come in, and, you know, finished fifth. I mean, realistically, we could have probably should have finished third. Considering the end of games we had, the last few games we had last season. We did bottle it. E even though I could pinpoint two specific games last season to individual errors in defense or in midfield. it You can't blame all the, all the blame on individual mistakes or the players in general. Yes, two mistakes that did cost us, but... Coaching does have a role in that because in a team, you know, it's just, it's a team effort. And this summer, as you guys knew how hyped I was about, about um, the, uh, the summer signings, we signed Kieran Tierney, one of Europe's most prominent left backs. Um, this kid, let me tell you. The Scottish David Beckham with on his left foot. All my days, his crosses are amazing. But, 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 but. Here's the thing. Last season, we had Nacho Monreal and Sead Kalasinac. Um, Monreal was sold in the summer 
towards the end of the window. And Kolasinac, oh, I mean, Nacho Monreal already being a little, you know, older, being in this, going to 33-34. And Kolasinac is a good wingback. He's a decent wingback. I take that back. Because uh, if you put him in a four, a four-back, as a left-back, he can't defend that well. You put him as a wingback, yeah, he does push and he does press tremendously well. Look at the size of him and look at the speed of him. The crosses aren't good enough. The man can't cross a road. Like he's just, he's just not good enough. He's decent as a backup. And you know, Emery upgraded with getting one of the best left backs in Europe, or best young left backs in Europe. And then we go out and get David Luiz. Um, I was iffy about it. I was okay with it. I accepted it. Eighth mil. I was like, you know, low risk, short term solution until Saliba comes from another signing on um back from his loan next season. He's been a he's been a disaster. David Luiz has been an absolute disaster. Um, Chelsea robbed us. They knew what they what they were doing. Um, he is a Chelsea spy like Petr Cech was. Um. Another signing from last season, though Socrates started well, was a tank. He's not a ball-playing center back. We miss Rob Holding badly for that. Rob Holding made him look so much better because since Holding's been injured, Socrates has had that responsibility of being the ball-playing center back. He can't do it. <laughs> and I I guess that's a, like him not being able to do that job efficiently well. You know, his confidence, he just looks so short on confidence that he can't even, like, regain his form of, you know, last season where he's just a tank, a monster in the defense. So, yeah, and Emery kept deploying him at as that center back when we know it was not working. Um, So that's one. That's another signing. Another signing from this summer coming back right now. Nicolas Pepe. Club record signing from Lille. The Ivorian winger was amazing last season in France. The second highest goal scorer behind Kylian Mbappe. The top assist in the league. He killed it last season in Lille. Lille as a whole did kill it, but as you can see, with them in the Champions League, they desperately miss Nicolas Pepe. And with them in the league this season, they are mid-table. You take one of the most promising wingers in Europe, and he openly states that how he was nervous about, you know, playing in England, you know, um, trying to settle in. Um, you don't do him any favors and you bench him. Um, you don't play to his strengths. You don't deploy an attacking fullback like Bellerin to help him out, even though Bellerin was injured. He is fit now. Um, and... <laughs> It's just a mess, and that was just a mess so far with Pepe. Yeah, Pepe has done some great things, like the equalizer against Villa, saving us against Vitorias um, from Portugal in the Europa League. But, you know, for the most part, for the amount of money we paid, $72 million is <laughs> Unai Emery handled, has handled him very poorly. Um, And, you know, I'll get into other signings in a bit. And youngsters, but look, my 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 point is, you did pretty good last season. You did all right last season. You choked in the Europa League final. You choked the league at the end. You you didn't jump the last hurdle. All right, fair enough. Even had we won the Europa League or finished in the top four, I would have, you know, with either like you know. Um, uh, turnout, I would have still been like, okay, Emory just needs more investment because we need to push on and and build on from this. In the case, had we gotten into Champions League, I would have been like, okay, we're going to say this, this, and that. Or we need this, this, and that. But, you know, since we lost that chance to get into the Champions League, we only have reported, a reported amount of 40, 45 mil to spend in the summer. So I was like, okay, Emery, you are responsible for getting these players out, the players who have let us down, the players who are not good enough, and replacing them. 
he did he did exactly that. Although he didn't sell two or three players that I would have sold. That I'm I'm not gonna name because it you know there's no point of it anymore because Emery's not here. Emery got the players he wanted. He got a, he wanted a left back. He got a left back. He wanted a deputy center back because he was done with Mustafi's like Mustafi's bullshit and didn't want to play Monreal at left at left back or center back. Left back because he was getting tyranny and center back because he's not a center back. And also with Koscielny being a bitch and leaving, he wanted to get a deputy center back. A center back. So he got Saliba, one of the most promising center backs in Europe. You know, he's 18 years old and he's already valued at 25 mil. You know, but people always pay above um, value, valuation. So, yeah, he's still young. He has one season, one pro season under his belt last year. Sends him out on loan. Fair enough. That's a great young signing for the future. Well done, Emery. Gets David Luiz. A decent center back to plug in for now. For at least two seasons. Just like he did with Socrates. Buys an old center back for short-term solutions. To help us get into the Champions League. Okay? Nicolas Pepe. We were crying out for a winger. Mkhitaryan was not cutting it at all. We had Alba sometimes playing on, on the wing. Or Lacazette. Those two work well. Get a third man in there. Make an attacking trio just like Liverpool have. Just like City have. Just like every top team should have. Barcelona, another example. Bayern Munich. So on and so forth. Okay. You got Nicolas Pepe. Fair enough. You want youth? Okay. Brings in Gabriel Martinelli. Phenomenal buy. Granduzzi, phenomenal buy. For, they, were both, they were both less than 20 mil. Let that sink in. Combined. Phenomenal. The kid's been killing it in the cup competitions. He's already has seven goals as a 17-year-old. Or 18-year-old, rather. I apologize. Coming from the Brazilian 4th Division to do that. To do that. Phenomenal. No words. <laughs> Alright. So you have all the players now. Just plug them in. Slowly. Okay. Tyranny came in injured. Okay. He can come in soon. Soon enough, he'll come in. David Luiz. Okay, integrates him slowly. Good. Uh, Pepe introduces him slowly. Didn't give him a start until his third game. Good. My point is, why do you go ahead and ruin what you're building? You play Lucas Torreira as an attacking midfielder. You try to put Granit Xhaka as a defensive midfielder when he's not a defensive midfielder. Or Guendouzi. You switch between those two while they're both not. And... You're doing the exact opposite of what is needed. Playing our, the best defensive midfielder in at the club as an attacking midfielder, leaving a huge gap there. If it's not the gap at DM from the, from the lack of Torreira playing there, there's a lack in the middle, in the central midfield area, because the two other guys are playing DM. Another problem. You persist with a four-back when we know Kalasana cannot play a four-back. Alright? <laughs> you keep on persisting with Socrates pass, uh, playing, being the ball-playing center-back. You can't do that. We, he, it's cost us goals. The people know our weakness. They press us so much from that. Keep doing it. You keep telling Burn Leno to play it short. Just play it long. Sometimes you have to play it long. Playing off in the back can be dangerous. And teams read us. Coaches read us. They do their homework. You do nothing. So you're doing nothing. The players are listening to you. And they're losing faith in you. They, they lost confidence in you. He exercised um, Ozil from the team for no reason. Well, yes. I will admit one of the players I did want gone. I'll, I'll, I'll name two. I'll name the first one right now. Mr. Ozil. I did want to sell him. because Just because of his massive wages. 350k a week, he should be doing more. And with those wages, we could invest it in better, for for the betterment of the whole squad, you know. Like, with those wages, we could buy at least two more players. That's fine, we could pay two more players with those. Um, Not to say Ozo is a useless player, but, you know, he doesn't justify the pay that he's getting. So that's the reason why I wanted to sell him, to free up the books. Um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't play Ozil for a month in the Premier League. 
from early September all the way until the like, even after the Crystal Palace game, which I'll get to soon. When you're playing Lucas Torreira as an attacking midfield, I don't get why what you're doing. You have an attacking midfield in the like not even in the squad in Mesut Ozil. Like if you need some creativity, just put him in. Like, he he'll do better than Torreira. I'm not saying Torreira did badly in his position, but it's the fact that Emery, you know, insisted with it. Left a huge gap and just cost us so many times, time after time. It's just so, it's just ridiculous. Like, it's, I, okay, I'm just going to stop rambling on about that. But regardless, yes, I did want, and I still wouldn't mind Ozil leaving because of his pay, of his um weekly wages. But, you know, if you're going to be playing a system, play the right players in there, do the right things, like, be okay with change he's starting to be like like emery in my opinion from what i was seeing was starting to be like wenger a little bit persist persisting with the same shit not changing his ways being an old dinosaur yeah no offense to wenger at some points he was playing and acting like an old dinosaur stubborn when emery was being a bit stubborn as well towards the end of his tenure at arsenal so yeah, I will I will praise him for, you know, promoting more youth, like putting them into the first team, like Bukayo Saka, Joe Willock, Reese Nelson coming back from his loan, um, making Emiliano Martinez his second choice goalkeeper. He's a great goalie. Easily make the Niles, like, you know, just young, like all these youngsters, Emil Smith-Rowe, Martinelli. It just goes to show that it can, that he is, a capable coach, but not at this level. I'm sorry, I have to admit it. And I think it was the right decision. Um, I think Unai Emery is, you know, after failing at PSG and, I hate to say, failing at Arsenal, is a mid-tier coach. He is not the coach to, you know, compete at the highest level. He couldn't. He can coach in the Premier League, just not at a top six club. You know, ironically, you can say Everton is a good destination for him, seeing how, you know, they have their own problems with Marco Silva, their manager at this moment in time. Um, I say mid-tier because look at what he did at Sevilla. Three Europa Leagues in a row. Phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I am sorry that it couldn't work out. I really thought, you know, Unai was going to be the man to at least, you know, get us back into the Champions League. It did seem like that at points. And then we would, like, um, he, he'd be the one to start the rebuild of Arsenal while we'd hire someone else in the, in the, for the, in the long run. And I think that time is going to come soon. Because while, yes, Freddie Lundberg, um, Unai's assistant this season, he was the academy, the under-23 coach last season. Freddie Lundberg, Arsenal legend, love that man, is taking over the reins temporarily. Um... Even if he does stabilize stabilize the ship a little bit, I wouldn't want him to get the job solely because look at Man United. Look at the problems that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has. He was not the man for the job. Like he went on a honeymoon period, and it's, and after that PSG win, it's been downhill ever since. I just, you know, I don't want legends to tarnish their club legacy. I mean, I I don't care about United, but you know, it's not, it's never nice to see like legends like you know, tarnishing legacies at clubs. It's it's not nice at all. They're legends for a reason. I their legends their status should stay like the way it is. Um Freddie Lundberg, of course, having that status being an invincible. Um Wow, yeah, he did draw two two with Norwich City. I'm not too bothered with it. He has no head coaching experience as a first team coach. He only has assistant um coach experience at Wolfsburg. And, you know, being a youth coach at Arsenal. However, um, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't give him the job even if you did well. But I will not criticize him for the 2-2 draw at Norwich. He only had two days to prepare for it. Being given the job on Friday and then had Saturday to work, Friday and Saturday to work with. And then Sunday was the game, Sunday morning. Sunday morning Eastern, that is where I am. So yeah, it's just 
it's just now who's the right man for Arsenal. And the statement given by Arsenal Football Club, you have, um, it states that Freddie will be the interim first team coach until the board have decided on a new head coach. So yes, they are looking for a new head coach. It's not what Manchester United did in their um, appointment of Solskjaer, stating that he will lead us until the end of the season. But you know, obviously things happen, and he got the job permanently. So yeah, that's that. Um, who do I want? I want Massimiliano Allegri, hands down. Um, I would love Pochettino. Um, I'll get into that as well. Um, I just don't think he'll do it because he would. He, when he was linked to Barca, he said no straight, straight, straight out because he played for Espanyol and he managed there, and he has respect for Espanyol, another Barcelona-based club, rival of Barcelona. So I just think he'll do the same at Tottenham because. Um, well, let's just move on to Tottenham now, who also sacked Mauricio Pochettino, because yes, I don't. At the time, I didn't think it was right, but hearing pundits, hearing play ex players talk about experience, their own experience, who have been at this level, at this high level of football, um, you know, Pochettino was you know taught them legend, made them as much as I hate to admit it, made them something out of nothing. I was never, you know, I always used to take the piss out of Tottenham. I still do because they're the, they're all rivals. Like that's what rivalries are all about. But he gave me one of the most nervous moments of my life. You know, taking Tottenham to the Champions League final, and you know that was horrible for me as an Arsenal fan, especially considering that the Europa League was a few days before the UCL final this year. And um, you know. Pochettino, what he's done with that team, what he did with that team was phenomenal. You know, not spending money, still getting Champions League final, bargain buys, not being known as a serial spender. And he's a he's a world class coach. Like we have to, we all have to admit it. If no one agrees with that, like you have to get your head checked. And he is a world class coach. The only downside is he couldn't win anything with Tottenham. But I firmly believe, had he been backed up better financially he would have been you know he would have won something with Tottenham 100% and it's just we just have to see where he goes a lot of people say Bayern Munich Manchester United he will definitely win a few things if he goes to either club um I talk about Bayern Munich a little bit too because they also sacked the coach it's just sacking season like what can I say um on Tottenham's end um I get why they sacked them. They're doing poor in the league. They got smashed in the Champions League 7-2 by Bayern Munich. So, I didn't agree with it at first as I hinted at earlier. But I firmly believe that. Well, firmly believe now after hearing, like I said, pundits, ex-players who have been there done that. I just believe that with, with this case, this scenario... The players, you know, I think, I think it's it kind of goes fifty fifty. The reason why Poch was sacked was, you know, on Pochettino's fault, the players' fault, and the board's fault. Daniel Levy, the owner, oh, well, I mean, yeah, the owner of Tottenham Hotspur. So, Tottenham Hotspur have had the same, generally the same core group of players since Pochettino has been there in twenty fourteen. I looked at an interesting um, statistic or picture, rather, on Instagram, comparing Jurgen Klopp's first ever Tottenham 11 versus um, Tottenham Hotspurs, because that was um, Jurgen's first game in charge at Liverpool. Um, Pochettino, of course, being in charge of Tottenham at that time. This was in October 2015, or November 2015. So... If you compare the two teams then and now, Liverpool's is completely changed. The only player, the only players who are still from that game who are in this current Liverpool crop of players, Jordan Henderson. You have Joe Gomez, but Joe Gomez was injured at that time. Nathaniel Klein, but he doesn't even play anymore because Trent Alexander-Arnold is there at right back, and he's injured as well, Kleiny. 
Alberto Moreno isn't there anymore. They have the goalkeeper in midfield is completely brand new. Um, and Roberto Firmino is also still there. That's about it. So starters-wise, you only have two starters that are still in the Liverpool team from that team. Pochettino at that time. Lloris, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Danny Rose, um, Kyle Walker was playing. So yeah, that's at least one change. Um, Eric Dyer, Christian Eriksen, Musa Dembele, you know, he's not there anymore, but still. Dele Ali, Human Son, Harry Kane. Like, wow, only two players are, that are not there anymore. Kyle Walker and Musa Dembele. Everyone else is still there. Everyone else. So just remember that, okay? The squad has barely changed. Um, so going based off that, Pochettino also didn't have a lot of resources to work with. So as, as a coach, you can see how that frustrates one, a person as a coach. You're doing well with a group, with a group of players, and you know with more improvement you know, in the transfer market, bringing in players, you can do even more. He wasn't backed. So when Pochettino, when a coach isn't backed the way Pochettino was, he has to work with the same core group of players year in, year out like he has. While they're not bad players, the point I'm trying to get to is it's hard to try to mo- to, to try and motivate the same group of players every single year. Refreshing the squad with, a, with two, three transfers every transfer window or just even a few transfers. Yeah, one transfer window, January, summer, or just in the summer, rather. That will do wonders for a team, like, you know, in the sense of refreshing up the squad, not getting tired legs in the squad, and just having keep keeping the same momentum, the same energy throughout the seasons as, as the years go on. Now, with that being said, you know, Tottenham Hotspur, like as I said much earlier, hasn't won anything under Pochettino. They never did. So it's hard to motivate, as uh, enough as it is, the same core group of players, no matter how successful you are. That's why you need to, you know, refresh and refresh and refresh, and even if they're backups, like at least by backup players, to try and motivate them. And because, uh, you know, with some man motivation, man to man coaching, could go a long way they could break into the first team and it just you know makes the team competitive and everyone and everyone's fighting for a place again everyone's playing at their hardest at their full potential which is you know which is the beauty of coaching because you have different forms of it as as far as man-to-man coaching tactically but without proper investment it's hard to do it especially when you don't have the trophies to back it up so I can understand why the players lost faith or were demotivated because it's the same message from the same coach every single year. We're not doing anything. We're just fighting for Champions League places. That's it. We are not competing for any trophy. We're just doing the same thing over and over again. So what's the point? A new voice, a new head voice, leading voice, is required. Um, Usually... In the coaching business nowadays, um, you have a two to three year cycle of coaches that stay at a club. You know, f- f- at big clubs for the most part. Um, examples being well, Chelsea, um, Tottenham Hotspur, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Juventus, Inter Milan, so on and so forth. Even Man City before Pep. Or Liverpool before um, his club. Or, you know, United post-Fergie. So, I, I just think it's a combination of all three factors. Of Poch not being backed up. Of him not being able to motivate the players year in, year out. The same group of players. And the players just ultimately losing faith in him. And losing him resulting in a... You know, Poch losing the dressing room. So, sentimentally, I feel like it's not right because of everything that Pochettino has done for the club. But you can understand why the change is needed. And Jose Mourinho was brought in. 
Now, at first, I was like, my God, horrible mistake. But you have to forget Jose Mourinho is a winner. He's a great man-to-man coach. He told Dele Alli, are you, are you Dele or are you, De- are you Dele's brother? He said, I'm Dele Alli. And then he's like, okay, good. Play like Dele Alli. He's giving that, that extra little motivation right there. That's what it's all about. That's how you talk to players. Like, it's a little bit of like a, you know, I wouldn't say disrespectful comment, but a little bit of like a, you know, spicy comment right there. So who are you? Are you Dele or are you, or are you Dele's brother? I'm Dele. Yeah. Okay, then go play like Dele, not like his brother. <laughs> like, oh, oh shit, okay. <laughs> like, just bring that fire, like that passion back into like a dead locker room, into a dead training ground. Because, you know, training under Pochettino the last few days were just, okay, let's hear, let's hear you go. Okay. Now it's like, whew, let's go. All right. It's a new beginning. And I do firmly believe that now, you know, reevaluating my own initial opinion, I do believe now that. Mourinho is at least going to win one thing with Tottenham. Could be an FA Cup. Not saying they're going to do the same impact on the Champions League, but they'll they'll do something. So yeah, uh, staying in the Premier League, um, Liverpool, eleven points clear, beating Man City before the international break, and Man City drawing two two away to Newcastle. They're eleven points clear of City. Like it's. I mean, City unlucky with injuries this season, but oh my gosh, I can't. It's it'll be it'll be funny to see Liverpool bottle it, but I don't know what's gonna happen anymore. It's looking very unlikely. Um, <laughs> and then you have Leicester City shocking the whole, not the whole world because they're not winning the league again, but they are in second place right now, ahead of City. By a point. Now, Leicester City under Brendan Rodgers. I just have to applaud. Like, oh my gosh, they are so good to watch. They are the most, like on not on paper because on paper you'd say Man City or Liverpool, but Liverpool nowadays, like for the past, besides that City result, they've been grabbing wins playing poorly. You know, VAR has helped them out a lot, but. You know, they're not playing, they're not outplaying their opponents. Opponents are actually playing better than them, but they're grabbing wins. That's what good teams do. Good, world-class teams could grab results even when they're playing poorly. However, with Leicester's case, <laughs> they're they're the best team in the Premier League right now, like, performance-wise. It's crazy to say, but let me, let me just read this out to you. Jamie Vardy, backed up with the top goal scorer in the league, backed up by... Yuri Tillemans, phenomenal wonder kid. James Madison, one of England's best players now, under, one of the most underrated players in the Premier League, behind Wilfred and Didi, probably at this point, top two CDMs in the league right now, behind N'Golo Kante. And yeah, N'Golo Kante's been injured, but still, like, it's N'Golo Kante, let's face it, and they, it'll be hard to displace him, but Ndidi is up there. These guys are all below the age of 25. I think Ndidi might be the oldest at like 22 or some, something like that. Something insane like that. And then you have the back line. Kaglar Soyonku, the best center back in the league this season. The Turkish man has, has been unreal with Johnny Evans. Yes, the Johnny Evans. The uh, old Tard from Manchester United and West Brom. Also been killing it. Turning back time. Ricardo Pereira and Ben Chilwell. One of the best fullback parents in the league. And then you have, who's on the right and who's on the left? I usually say Perez is on the left, formerly of Newcastle, who raised question marks after for a big, kind of big transfer fee because he's an all-right player. He's been killing it as well. Like, Casper <laughs> Schmeichel in goal, bro. Like, this team is ridiculous. Like, and Brendan Rodgers, like, I did make fun of him in the past when he was linked to Arsenal when Wenger left, but... Bro, I'd kill to have him right now. Hell yeah, like, Brendan Rodgers, like, oh my gosh. This guy is, this guy, this guy is something, bro. He, he, he can go to a big job. I think the Liverpool job, when he was in charge, came too, was too big too soon. But, oh my gosh, like, this guy, like, and also the guy who in question at right mid was Harvey Barnes, like, uh, from the Leicester Youth Academy, like, kids, 
kid, another special talent right there. I think his time at Celtic really has helped Brendan Rodgers as a manager because he was promising at Swansea, playing some good attacking football at Swansea. So it's not surprising to see this from him. But, you know, the Liverpool job, as I said, I think, as I can tell you now, going based off what I see, what I saw then and what I see now, came to came to him way too soon at a big club like that. I think this is, I won't say that this is his level because I do think he can go to a bigger club than Leicester and achieve great success there. But why would he leave Leicester? This, they, they, they're going to make Champions League. Leicester City will be in next season's Champions League. It's just... Written in the stars. They, they'll make a comeback to the Champions League. Oh, like, it's just crazy to say. Then you have Chelsea under Frank Lampard doing all right. They lost against West Ham. They were on a good roll, but, you know, they're, they played one of the best games of the Champions League this season with Ajax in a 4-4 draw, which is crazy. But, you know, they're doing all right. United, you know, same old banter club. And just like Arsenal, we're just banter clubs. Um... Oh, going back on Arsenal, because I did tell you guys I was going to re- reveal the name of the second player who I did want out of Arsenal. It was Granit Xhaka. You guys know the con- controversy with Granit Xhaka telling the fans to fuck off. Ask the Arsenal captain. Walking off the pitch, soaking. You're the captain, mate. Like, we're tying 2-2. We, we drew 2-2 against Crystal Palace at home. We blew a 2-0 lead. And you're the captain. You're being subbed off. You didn't even play bad. But you're walking off the pitch, bro. You see your number on the board or you're getting subbed off. You run off the pitch. You want your team to win. Don't waste the time, bro. Like, and the fact that he was so disrespectful to, <laughs> disrespectful to the fans and telling them to fuck off and acting like a big tough guy as the captain, disgrace. I would have gotten him out anyway because I don't think he was good enough. But he was made captain, so I backed him. He... But that's just unacceptable. I know he's played two games since in the Europa League. And at Norwich, he hasn't played badly. But if we want to move forward and achieve our goals, we need to make investments. We need to drop him. We need to find something better. Because his foot was win far too long. <sighs> okay, rant over. See ya. Ozo out, Chaka out. That's just my opinion. Come at me if you don't if you think I'm wrong about Ozo. I'm pretty sure you guys all agree on Chaka. If a club captain tells the fans to fuck off, then you wouldn't want them at the club, no matter how good they are. In this case, Granit Xhaka isn't even that good. But no, um, yeah, that's the Premier League all wrapped up. I don't want to get way into relegation battles because we have so much, uh, a little bit more to talk about. So. I did mention also another sacking of this whole sacking season. It's not even the it's not even holiday season. It's sacking season. Nico Kovac, after losing five one to Frankfurt away um, at the Comerspec Arena, got fired. And it's not surprising, you know. He's Bayern have been iffy with Nico Kovac for the past year or so. They have an interim coach as well, assistant too. Um, one of the assistant coaches, forget his name, <laughs> it's really bad on me, I should really do my research, I apologize, I'll get the name in a second, but Niko Kovac is another guy who was in the free agent um, category of managers, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it wasn't a right decision, it was, it was, it was coming, they, he, he wasn't a fan's favorite, ever since last season, the board have been iffy about him, even since last season, but, you know, him in the Champions League hasn't done that bad this year. I mean, he, they're through. They have a perfect record. Like, it's okay. Like, they're doing fine. But Bayern in the league, however, is a completely different story. Oh, it's Hans Dieter Flick, by the way. That's the coach who is in charge at the moment. Um, In the league, however, you have, as I said about Leicester City being the best performing team in the league in the Premier League I think Borussia Mönchengladbach is the best in Germany they are so good to watch I'll get to them in a little bit not too much in depth but whatever well I would like to apologize first and foremost because um we had technical difficulties right now with the outro loading up way too early that's just my fault but yeah anyway going back on Bayern Munich they're fourth in the league 
for a club like Bayern Munich being fourth in their league, as you know, a lot of people don't take the Bayern the the Bundesliga seriously because the Bayern dominance, which I do get, could be annoying. Um, which I do find annoying. I do find it satisfying that a team like not even Dortmund, but Borussia Mönchengladbach are top of the league, and I could see why Bayern Munich did that because it's been disappointing in the in the league. And they have a pretty nice gap ahead of Bayern Munich, I want to say, Gladbach at the top. Because, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a pretty good one because Dortmund, they also bottled a lead against Dortmund. I mean, against Bayern Munich this time last year, being on top of the Bundesliga. They're only four points away. Yeah, that's nothing. Bayern Munich could catch up. I hope they don't because... Borussia Dortmund, they have a bigger lead this time last year, and they still choked. They crumbled under the pressure. And Borussia Mönchengladbach, on the other hand, oh my gosh. like Marcus Turam, like the son of Lillian Turam, is probably like the best young best signing in the Bundesliga this season. Like He's been so good for them. They have one of the most underrated goalies in the world, Jan Sommer. Love that guy. They, um... What's his face? He's been linked to a lot of big clubs. Dennis Zachariah, the Swiss CDN. Phenomenal player. He, he's touted for a big move. He, he's well-deserved of it. Alisson Playa, um, formerly of Nice. Um, Brio Ambolo, um, A lot of you FIFA career mode or football manager players would know about him. He's a wonder kid. Well, he still is young, but you know he hasn't hit his full potential just yet at the age of 22 because he did have an injury hit stint at um, Schalke in the Bundesliga, which he did all right in being in and out of the team. But I will give credit to their coach, Marco Rose, German coach who was the coach at RB Salzburg, Rebel Salzburg, who are making waves and headlines in the Champions League this season, as you guys know, playing against Liverpool and Napoli. Marco Rose got Salzburg into the Europa League semifinals two seasons ago. Um, where they lost to Marseille, but this guy, like, he knows how to set up a team. He is one of the best young coaches in Europe, and one of the most underrated coaches in Europe. Like, this guy, he's due for a big move. Like, it's just something about Germany producing young, or, like, not even German coaches, but, like, just being in the Bundesliga itself. Like, young, exciting, eccentric coaches. You have Julian Nagelsmann, one of my favorite coaches in the world, at RB Leipzig. One of the best, in my opinion. Like, it's just insane. Like, the Bundesliga, you guys should watch this season. Because even Bayer Leverkusen, who beat Bayern Munich 2-1 this season, are making waves. Like, they beat Atletico, like, in the Champions League as well. It's been a great week for them. Um, well, they didn't beat them this week. Um, but they're, have a ch- they have a chance of going through ahead of Atletico. Imagine Atletico go to Europa League again, and they fuck Arsenal over again. I mean, we probably fuck ourselves over at this point, but... Anyway, you guys should watch the Bundesliga more. And it's it's always on Fox, guys. Like, it's always streamed in America. I understand, like, Serie A, that like, you do have to pay for some BN Sports channels, depending what you um you have. Well, unless you guys do illegal streams. You guys are fine. <laughs> but no, um, you know, because of the a lot of because of the amount of Americans in the Bundesliga, there's always um Bundesliga games available to watch to us over here in the States. So I highly recommend it. Not just the big teams, but teams like Leipzig. Um, Freiburg, Leverkusen, Motion Gladbach, especially. Just oh, just just watch them. I think it's worth it's worth your time, one hundred percent. Um, and also just to wrap up the show on a quick announcement. Those are just some things I wanted to talk about that have happened as of late. Just Premier League and Bundesliga wrap up. Um, but I know. FPL players, I know I've had a few questions about it personally on my, you know, people messaging me on, on my social media accounts. Um, sorry guys, FPL is not working out simply because, as crazy as this may sound, there are just too many frequent new winners every week that we just didn't think about it through, throughly enough. Like, there are are way too many people in the league that there's a new winner every week. And even putting the points tally lower, like, Andres and I, like, at over here at Mundo, we can't be giving out, like, prizes every single week, like, to new winners. Because if we, because right now, it's, as of right now, it's 
um, 15 points to win something, and you get 10 points a match day if you come up on top. <sighs> like, they're just going to, and if we even lower the points to 10 points, we're just going to, you know, end up giving out prices every single week. It's supposed to be more competitive. It's We're just giving away stuff at that point. So we wanted to keep it at 15, but there just kept being too many winners where we, where we reached the point that, like, what's the point like no one's gonna be able to achieve like maximum points like get be able to get like top prizes if they wanted to it's gonna it's gonna be virtually impossible to do so so i do have to apologize on behalf of myself andres and the mundo family the fpl mundo fantasy league is you can still play in it but we will not be giving any awards because we need we need to think things through and it's already almost the middle middle of the season time's passing by so quickly like it's it just it just reminds me of like the time I came up with this whole idea and how excited I was for it. It was amazing. But we will think it through for next season because because clearly enough of you want to play this game and it's that fun. But we just have to think it better. We just have to make it a new format to assess the leaderboards to assess winners to give um fair chances to people maybe like the top we won't you can't even do the top person on the leaderboard because it could be the same person every single time who knows or it could just be a two-horse race essentially and people who are at the bottom will just give up playing um yeah it's just this is too much, and we we need to handle it better. And you know, essentially, it's just me, Andres, and Fernando on this on as on the on the Mundo team. Um, we we had two partners that left us because they had school, soccer, and work, personal lives. In the summer, they did help us out, but you know, unfortunately, they cannot help us out right now. So it's we are, we're we're still a small team. We're still looking to hire people, not even hire people. Just like getting people on board and help us out over here at Mundo and Golasso. Um, as I said, anyone interested in being a co-host, anyone interested in being um on the family to help us out and grow, be much appreciated. Uh and yeah, that's that. Um thank you guys for listening to my comeback episode. I'll be back next week. And you guys can listen to us on Spotify, Los Radio, um, Amazon Prime Music. <laughs> nah, not Amazon Prime Music. But no, Google Play Music. It's been a while, guys. You guys get the point. You guys can listen to us anywhere. Pretty much anywhere. On Heart Radio. You name it. So, yeah, that's that, guys. Give me back your feedback, comment, like, share with your friends and family, your dogs, your cats, your pets, aunts, grandmas, aunties. This is DTG signing out. I'll see you next week. It's great to be back, everyone. See you.